Well, tonight I'm titling this message, Pursue Peace. Anybody use some peace this time of year? You know, it seems like this time of year people will go to drastic measures. I mean drastic measures to find the best gift, to look for the thing that's on sale. I mean, they'll go to three or four different malls, whatever it takes. They're in pursuit of the perfect gift. And I was reminded today as I was preparing this message a, a few years ago, um, when before James and Esther were married, and they were married in 2008, so it has been a while, but that Thanksgiving, 2007, was going to be the first time that Esther was with us for a holiday. And so, you know, I wanted to impress her, impress her with my cooking skills and my cooking abilities. So uh, every year I like to get a fresh butterball turkey. You may have your own favorite little brand or, or, or you know, whatever, but that's the one that I like. I like butterball. So for some reason, Pastor, the week of Thanksgiving, I think it was like Sunday through Tuesday, we had Brother Keith Moore here. I know why it was. It was the year that we got into our building. So we were having some special meetings. And so he was here Sunday through Tuesday. And so usually I get, you know, the turkey just a few days ahead of time because it's fresh and I don't want it to go bad. So on that Monday, I thought, well, no problem. I'll go get my 20-pound butter ball turkey. So I go to the store I usually go to. They had one turkey, a butterball turkey. It was like 17 pounds and it looked like a scene out of a movie. Me and this other lady were both heading for this turkey. And I looked, saw it was 17 pounds. So I thought, I'm going to allow the love of God to be a shed abroad in my heart. And I let her have the turkey thinking no sweat, you know, I'll be able to find a turkey. I went to two other stores and there were no butterball turkeys. And this one guy said, I don't know what the deal is. There's like a shortage of butterball turkeys this year. And I'm like, no, I have to have a fresh butterball turkey. I went to a third store, no turkey, went to a fourth store. No turkey. Well, at this point, this guy was willing to help me. So he started calling around uh, to some other stores and we located one. But it was a, a distance away. It was Monday by this time late Monday afternoon. We have Brother Keith Moore, prophet of God in town. Service was probably like at 7 o'clock. And I'm at 6 o'clock or 6.30 still trying to hunt down this turkey. I am in Pursuit. I am a woman on a mission. I felt like the great white hunter. If you would have given me a bow and arrow, I would have found this fresh turkey. And I was on such a mission. I remember even calling pastor and saying, I'm going to be late for church. And he's like, what? We've got Keith Moore in town. I don't care. I got to get this turkey. On a mission, pursuing. And I think that we've all probably had experiences like that where, I mean, something, we had to have it. And we go to great lengths to get it, whatever it takes. It reminds me just of the word uh, pursue. And these are some of the definitions. One of them is to follow in order to catch, to chase, to seek, to accomplish. People pursue a career. People pursue higher education. They're willing to make sacrifices to do what's necessary to get this degree or to get this job. They're pursuing to accomplish something. They're chasing something down. I was chasing down that turkey. 
And if we can be that diligent about pursuing and seeking after natural things, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? Should we be God chasers? I love that term, God chasers. Pursuing God with all of our heart. Following hard after Him. We don't have to hunt God down. We don't, you know, He's not hiding from us. But we are instructed to follow Him. Follow Him. Love Him. Diligently seek after Him. That's what a God chaser is. During this holiday season, there's many opportunities to pursue other things other than God. And to pursue other things other than peace. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure that there are some people in here, probably even today, that had some opportunity to have your peace disturbed. Anybody? Anybody? I said I wasn't going to ask for a show of hands, but you're willingly offering. Jane raised both hands. Was that pastor? Did he disturb your peace today? No, anyway. (laughs) Put her to work. Have our peace disturbed by people, situations, or circumstances. But we can have this attitude, and we should have this attitude. You're not getting my peace. I don't care how ugly you are to me. I don't care how long the lines are at the store. Oh, we're not even going to talk about the drivers on 880. But I am not letting anybody or anything have my peace. We used to sing this old song, this joy that I have. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. It's the same about peace. This peace that I have, the world didn't give it to me and I am not going to let the world take it away. How about you? I am determined to have what Jesus has afforded to me. He is the Prince of Peace. He paid a supreme sacrifice so that you and I could not just have peace with God, but we could live in the peace of God every single day of our life. Let's start out by looking over in John chapter 14, verse 27 in the Amplified Version. Don't you love the word? We came tonight, this is Bible study night. We came tonight just to be saturated with the word of God and just to have our hearts feed on that manna from heaven. Amen. And be strengthened by the scriptures. John 14, 27 in the amplified version, it says, peace, I leave with you. My own peace, I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives. Everybody, is that good news? Not as the world gives do I give to you. If we're basing whether we're going to have peace on what's happening in the world, what's happening in our family, what's happening on our job, what might be happening in the economy, what even may be happening in our body, we're not going to be peaceful people. But Jesus said here, I am giving you peace, not as the world gives. 
And because it's not like the world gives, then he instructs us here. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You know how many people are just eaten up with fear? That they're literally having heart attacks. The Bible talks about in the last days that men's hearts would fail them for fear because of what they see coming upon the earth. But Jesus is saying here, your heart never has to attack you. You're, you don't have to be afraid of heart attacks. You don't have to be afraid of bad news. And then this is so good here. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. That's a mouthful, isn't it? One of the, these, this is one of the last teachings that Jesus did before he left this earth. And he was letting his disciples know, I am giving you a gift of peace and how important it is for you to live in the peace of God. He says, I want you to understand I am the author of it. I want you to understand that I am willing it to you. Bequeeting means willing. It's not a word that we use often today, but that's exactly what it means to live or to, to leave or to give by a will. What's his will? His word. His word. And in his will to us, he said, I am willing you. I am leaving you. I am giving you peace. If someone leaves you something in their will, they leave you a car or jewelry or a house. It's yours. But what do you have to do? If the attorney calls you up and says, you know, great, 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 whatever. You may not even know you had a great, 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 great somebody died and they left you an estate. Well, are you going to argue? Oh, I think you have the wrong number and I'm too busy. I I don't have time to talk about it. No, (laughs) wherever it is, you're going to get on in your car on airplane and you're going to go check out what has been willed to you. And once the attorney hands you the deed of trust to this house or, or this car and he says, this is yours. See, the name, your name is now on the title deed. Well, if some ugly distant relative that you don't even know shows up and says, no, I want that house. No, I want that car. Without being ugly, you can just whip out the deed and say, I'm sorry. But I got it. My name is on the will. It's signed, sealed, delivered. It's mine. And that's the attitude that we would have. And yet people don't realize that Jesus says, I have left you peace. Claim it. Lay hold of it. Guard it. And if the devil or anyone tries to disturb your peace, tries to agitate you, tries to intimidate you, what are you going to do? Oh, no. I've been given peace. 
You're not going to intimidate me. You're not going to make me act unsettled. It said, stop acting unsettled. Stop being disturbed. What's the sweat about? Of course, the test and the trials are going to come. They come to all of us. But when we know that we are saturated and we've been given the peace of God, that peace will settle you. That peace will sustain you even in the midst of a storm. Jesus knew that they were going to come. He, he even told them what some of the things were going to be in this world. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have test. You're going to have temptations in this world. You're going to have the opportunity to worry. You're going to have the opportunity to be afraid. You're going to have to deal with agitating and disturbing people. But don't let them steal your peace. This time of year, there's mega opportunity. Mega. Mega is huge opportunity to be agitated by lots of disturbing things and disturbing people. And we use this illustration quite a bit. Maybe the clerk at a store. But we have folks here that work in retail. Maybe an ugly customer, right, Janet? <laughs> or people that work in, in food service. You know, sometimes we talk about, well, maybe that the waitress is having a bad day. You know, I wouldn't want to wait on me sometimes. Think about it from that from their standpoint. You know what I mean? It's not all about me, myself, and I. What about the people that are having to sell the items or having to wait? On people that are disturbed and upset and uptight. Maybe you have to make a phone call. Oh, I hope not. But tech support. We used to have a Dell and I have nothing against Dell computers. But the tech support was usually not in this country. And there was usually a language barrier. And that can be agitating. Five hours later. And you still are not up and running. And we won't even talk about, oh, some, some of the people on the freeway, some of the texters and drivers, disturbing. How about this one? Those relatives, those relatives that you have to see them every holiday, but they know how to push your button every year. They might start out with, oh, do you still go to that church? Are you still a tongue talker? And the flesh starts rising up. And you think, maybe it's my spirit that's saying, give them a piece of your mind. But then the love of God will say, "Uh, no, you need all the pieces that you've got. Don't give any pieces away. Hold on to that thought. Hold on to that piece of your mind. We all know what it means to be tempted, to be agitated and disturbed. Need I, need I go on? <laughs> then there's people that just live in a constant state of restlessness. A constant state of uproar, always up in arms, always upset, always angry, 
always convinced that everybody's out to get them. Suspicious, fearful, always believing the worst. Just this attitude of people generally tick me off. Everything is a big deal. You have to wait five extra minutes at the bank. You go to get your coffee and there's two people in front of you and they're like, really, don't you know who I am? Don't you know how important I am? Don't you know I have to be somewhere? Upset, uptight, impatient, agitated, no peace. You know, the Bible describes those kind of people. It's not us, of course. But just in case you run into one, you'll know what's going on here. Romans chapter 3, verse 17 in the Amplified. Romans 3, 17 in the Amplified. And they have no experience of the way of peace. They just never live in peace. They always live upset, worked up. They know nothing about peace. For a peaceful way, they don't even recognize. There is some people that if there wasn't some kind of drama, drama, drama happening in their lives, they'd be bored. They just feed off of, always been upset, always been angry. They like the adrenaline rush or something. They don't know the way of peace. Used to, adapted to living uptight and stressed out. Drama, drama, drama. Popping pills to calm down and go to sleep. Popping pills to wake up and go to work. Popping pills to deal with all the ulcers that they have. Of course, many that don't know the Lord live this way. But unfortunately, so do some Christians. Everybody say, not me. Why? Why would a person live that way? Why would even a Christian fall into that trap? Well, the answer is found in verse 18. Romans 3.18, again, I believe I'm reading it out of the Amplified. There is no reverential fear of God before their eyes. No reverence for God. No honor for Him. No acknowledging of Him in all of our ways. If we don't recognize Him... For who he is. If we don't honor him. If we don't acknowledge him in all of our ways. Guess what? Our waves are going to be disturbed. Our waves are going to be full of disaster. And tragedy. There's people that live like that. From one crisis to the next. And it's always somebody else's fault. Those people. I know they're out to get me down there. It's their fault. It's his fault. It's the kids. God, these kids are crazy. Give me new kids. I don't like these kids. It's these kids' fault. But if every one of us would do what this says, acknowledge him, 
reverence him. Be in awe of how great God is. Is God great? Is God magnificent? Is he the most high God? Is he the one with whom nothing is impossible? Is our Lord Jesus also the prince of peace? He wants us to walk in peace. He wants us to enjoy life and to be at rest. Take benefit of what he has provided. But just like so many of the blessings of God, they don't just fall on us. They've been provided. Jesus provided all that we need, but that many of them, all of them really are conditional on whether we will believe the word of God and choose to walk in them. And peace is no different. Peace is conditional. Even though Jesus said, I've left it to you, I've given it to you. If it wasn't something to do with the way that we live and our will, why would he go on in that same verse and say, stop being agitated. Stop allowing people to steal your peace. If it wasn't possible for us to let go of what's been given to us. Isaiah chapter 26, verse three in the new King James, it says this, this peace is conditional. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That sounds to me like having reverence toward God, trusting in him. If we will keep our mind thinking on him, doesn't it say in the book of Philippians, whatsoever things are good, lovely, just, perfect, of a good report. What are we supposed to do? Think on these things. Because if you don't, your peace will go flying out the window. If you think on bad news, if all you do is watch fear filled shows and hang out with negative people, guess what? You won't have any peace. But this says here, oh, it's a good promise. I will keep you. It's just like the love of God. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. We are love creations from our loving father. But yet he said, keep yourself in the love of God. You walk in love. And it's the same with peace. Keep yourself in the peace of God by meditating on me. By putting up a a roadblock, putting up a no trespassing sign over your heart and over your mind. No, that thought disturbs my peace. No, that thought is full of fear. I'm not letting it in. No, I'm the guardian. I'm the caretaker of my mind, my body and my spirit. It's not getting in here. The writer of Isaiah, he wanted us to get the importance of how walking in peace is. And he that's why he said, I will keep him in perfect peace. Peace, peace is what it says in the Hebrew. Peace, peace, a double emphasis. And it literally means shalom, shalom, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. But again, it's conditional. If your mind is stayed on him, 
What about thinking about the problem? What if we're full of worry and care? We go to bed at night. How are we going to make it? Ah! There's more month than money. How are we going to ever buy any presents and put them under the tree? What happened? What, what, what if we lose our job? Worry is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. And about 90% of what people worry about never comes to pass. There are people tonight laying awake, worried about the economy, worried that they're going to get laid off, worried they're not going to have a job, worried they're going to lose their house. It'll probably never happen. But fear does open the door. And that's why we can't afford to think like that. Fear will attract the thing that we don't want to happen. So close the door on it. Don't let your mind go there. We are a spirit being, but we are also the custodians of our mind. And your mind, you, you control the thoughts. That you, we can't control what thoughts come to us. We've all had silly thoughts and evil thoughts that have come to our head that our heart detested. But I love it how Brother Hagin said it many years ago. Can't improve on it. We can't control the thoughts that come to our mind any more than we can control a bird flying over our head. But we, even though a bird might fly over your head, You could certainly control whether he lands in your head and tries to build a nest in your hair. And it's the same with the thought. All sorts of thoughts are going to fly over your head and around you. But don't let them get a stronghold there. Don't let them start building a nest in your mind. Be the custodian of your mind. I will keep him in perfect peace. Who keeps his mind stayed on me. Does it matter what we look at? Does it matter what we think on? Does it matter what we say? Does that affect our peace? Saying, eh, no, I can watch anything I want to watch. Doesn't affect me. I can think about garbage, not going to bother me. I can meditate on fearful things, nah, doesn't bother me. I can say whatever I want and it won't affect me. That's a lie. It does affect us. Denying that these things don't affect us is like saying, I can eat a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts every morning and a gallon of ice cream every night. And I will still stay trim and fit and not gain an ounce. (laughs) Denial. Denial is not a credible diet. And denial that what we're doing spiritually or mentally is not affecting us is not credible either. It does have an effect upon us. Let's look over at 1 Peter chapter 3. Y'all still here? I don't know what time I started. Pretty early, I suppose. But we're we're rolling rolling right along here. 1 Peter 3 verse 10. Amplified. Some of you, you kind of went, oh, don't talk about sweets, please. It's Christmas. So moving right along. Verse 10 in the Amplified. For let him who wants to enjoy life and see good days... 
good days, good, whether a parent or not, keep his tongue free from what? From evil and his lips from guile, treachery. Did you know that strife is treachery? You're treading on thin ice if you go down that road. I start saying, hey, I can say whatever I want to say about them. I can talk about those people at work. No, it's treacherous territory. <laughs> let him turn away from wickedness and shun it. And let him do right. He said here, if you want to enjoy life. How many of you want to enjoy life? How many of you want to see good days? How many of you want to have Merry Christmas and a happy holiday? Well, guess what? All of those things are connected to our words. Have you ever said something? And then you're like, in mid-sentence, you want to catch it. Ah, I didn't mean it. Ah, but it's out there. Wrong words spoken. About someone or to someone disturbs our peace. Getting in strife is the quickest way to have a restless night. Remorse always brings sleepless nights. Tossing and turning. If our, if our peace has been disturbed, and oftentimes it's because of something we said. Words are containers. And they do paint pictures. And if you want to stay in peace, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Remember, we read over there, reverential fear, reverential awesomeness of God. When we reverence Him, we know that we have a holy guest living on the inside of us. Wherever we go, he goes. Whatever we say, he hears. Are you all feeling such a merry and bright Christmas message in here? But, you know, <laughs> he's going to help us to have peace. Merry Christmas is important. But a peaceful life is what we should aim at. What we should desire above all else. Now let's look on down at verse 11 of that same chapter. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from fears, agitating passions. Are you getting it? It's here again in this passage. And moral conflicts. And seek it eagerly. Do not merely desire peaceful relations with God, with your fellow men, with yourself. But pursue. Go after them. If we want peace, we have to do what is right. But do not merely and lightly and casually desire it. Eagerly and earnestly Pursue it. How many of you in here are married? Do you remember back in your dating, back in your courting days, if you're really old, you know, courting instead of dating days? <laughs> and perhaps you were pursuing 
that person with all of your might. Now, Pastor Mark and I, most of you know our story. We met at Raymond, 1976. We met probably in August of 1976. We're married the following July, July of 1977. And we have different versions of our dating days. If you were to ask him, he would say, I chased him. But if you were to ask me, I would say he wasn't running very fast. (laughs) One of the definitions of pursue is to chase in order to catch. And I am thankful that pastor was smart enough to be caught. And once I caught him, I realized he's a keeper. Now, some people pursue people with all their might and it's not in the will of God and they're pursuing, they're pursuing. I got to have him. I got to have her. And once they catch them, they're like, Ooh, I wish I could throw them back, but they're not fish. And if you catch them, you got them. (laughs) Anyway, I'm encouraging you tonight to pursue peace. And pursue the author of peace. Many things are going to come and try to steal and rob us of our joy and of our peace. Especially this time of year. But I want to leave you with these wonderful words of our Lord Jesus. Found in John chapter 16 verse 33. Once again I want to read it out of the Amplified. I have told you these things so that in me, here it is again, you may have what? What did Jesus say? I'm leaving you perfect peace. And here he says it again. I've told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence in the world. You have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. But is right. He didn't stop there. If he stopped there, we could have a pity party and said, ah, Jesus told me we're going to have tribulations. Jesus told me we're going to have tests. Isn't that awful? It's so terrible. He told us it's going to be so hard to live in this life. But the verse didn't end there. He said, but be of, everybody say it with me. Say it with a smile on your face. But be of good cheer. Why, Jesus? Why can I be of good cheer when you just told me that in this world we're going to have tribulations, in this world we're going to have tests and trials. And then you turn around and you say, but be of good cheer. Jesus, how can that be? How can we be of good cheer in the face of all this stuff? Why? He said, be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunted. And this is why. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. I think somebody ought to be happy over that. 
This is what we're leaving you with tonight. Jesus said, in me, you're going to have perfect peace. Certainly in the world, you're going to have opportunity to have your peace robbed. But know this, you're not of this world. We're in this world, but there's a difference. We're living here, but we are not of this world. We're of a higher kingdom. We're part of another family. We're part of the family of God. And the peace that we have, like Jesus said, it doesn't come from this world. The peace that we have comes from our homeland, comes from heaven, comes from that place that we are truly a citizen of. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And he said this, I have overcome the world. And then he turns right around. I've overcome the world. And guess what? I've made you more than an overcomer. I've made you more than a conqueror. And I have deprived the world, the anxiety, the trials, the fear, the worry. I've deprived it of power to harm you. Certainly it's going to come, but the power to harm us has been taken care of. He conquered it for us. And it, it, the, them, it, she, whatever, cannot take my peace away. The peace of God that passeth all understanding is going to keep my heart and mind. How about you? Do what do you receive it tonight? Hallelujah. Let's all stand just for a moment here. And let's just thank him for that peace that passeth all understanding. Oh, hallelujah. As a matter of fact, I just want to lead you in a confession. I believe that the word of God speaks for itself tonight. If you've been tempted to be worried or you've been tempted to be upset, been tempted to be in strife, There's nothing I can do by laying hands on you. It's just something you need to do in your own heart to make that adjustment. If you've been tempted to be carrying a care and worry, just raise your hand real quick. If that's you, you've just been tempted to be worried about something, carrying a care. Well, this is what we're going to do, and we're all going to do it together just to help them right now. I want everybody to say this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. For the peace of God that does not come from this world. And I thank you that you have made me more than a conqueror. Now as an act of my will, I take that situation. I take that person. Now do this. Everybody do this with your hands. I put them in my hands right now. And now I lift them up to you and I'm going to cast them over on you. Now do that. I'm going to cast, I cast every care, every concern, every worry, every situation. I cast my relatives. I cast those unsafe folks over on you, Lord. I cast the care. I'm not going to let it disturb my peace. 
Now let's lift our hands and thank him. Thank you, Lord, for that peace. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We bless you.